Well, greetings, June Squad. It is I, Jay, master of all things nerdy. With me, as always, is my stalwart companion, defender of the nerd faith, Lord Commander of the Nerds Watch, Sir Christopher. We are pleased to bring to you, on behalf of the Just Us Nerds podcast, another fantastic interview with another one of the music makers and dreamers of dreams from the comic book world. We are pleased to be interviewing Miss Tana Ford tonight. Let me do a little introduction before we have her join us. So, Tana Ford is an artist and a writer. And a badass. But so much more. Yeah. Her <laughs> debut graphic novel, Duck, you got to say it with the... Yeah, you have to. Duck! Exclamation point. Her graphic <laughs> novel, Duck, won the Queer Press Grant in 2010. And its sequel, Duck, Second Chances, was a Lambda Literary <laughs> Award finalist. She apprenticed with Sean Gordon Murphy... Uh, recently of Batman White Knight, uh, and is best known for her work on Marvel Silk. And she just wrapped up on her latest project, a miniseries that examines literal alien immigration called LaGuardia. Quite a timely subject, actually. Written by superstar author Nettie Okorafor, uh, a, a wi winner of so many prestigious awards in this genre. The Hugo Award, Nebula Award, World Fantasy uh, Award. And also, uh, this book was edited by the extraordinary Karen Berger for the Berger Books imprint at Dark Horse. When Tana is not making comics, she can be found podcasting, of course, first on the most amazing <laughs> podcast ever, Justice Nerds Podcast, but also on another fantastic podcast on Whenverly with Dave and Tana. Uh, or you <laughs> might find her playing with her Labradoodle Sonny, or you might find her learning how to play Dungeons and Dragons. So, hey, Chris, there you, there you go. That's it. That's my go. game. There you go, buddy. Uh, <laughs> Tana joins us today from South Florida. Uh, please, everyone, join me in what... Listen, how excited us. I am. I can't, I can't even talk. Us. Join us <laughs> in, in welcoming the fantastic, the amazing, the spectacular Tana Ford. Yay! 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 Hi, guys. This Hi. is fantastic. All right, I need to ask first off, uh, I know it's not on the yeah. questions, but I got to ask. When you play D&D, what is normally your character that you have been playing? So I invented, so it's my very first campaign, and uh -huh. I'm playing with uh, a group of adorable nerds who are being very patient with me. Okay. Uh, and I am playing a Goliath barbarian named Breakbones. Oh, I love uh, this. Which apparently, yeah, which apparently is like the tank. There's like, I didn't realize that when I was making him. Yeah, of course. Um. But yeah, so I am now a third level Goliath barbarian, and I am loving it. Oh, that's fantastic! Um, well, if you have any yeah. like you know questions or whatever, don't worry, you'll have my information. So, I'll, do you I'll play? You. I mean, that's I my do. question. I do. I do. Oh. I do. I do play. Um, he is our resident D and D expert on the show. Yeah. So that that is Dude. my uh, that is that has been my my game. That, that see the, the that thing, is as the kids say his jam. Yeah. Like I used to. When did you? When did you start playing? Was it a thing you got into as an adult or as a as a kid? Actually, uh, believe it or not, I was I was the closet nerd. Um, I was on our <laughs> wrestling team all throughout high school, but on the weekends I was hanging out with my friends and playing D and D, so that way the team didn't know. So it's it's so, that, that closet hiding of yeah, I know D and D, and I'm you know. Yeah. So did yeah. Did you find Did you find that like you couldn't? come out as a nerd to your jock friends and that like you couldn't come out as a jock to your nerd friends uh, you they, in that well, divide? the the nerds that i played with they knew 
um, they they all knew. They were like, "Hey, he's on the wrestling team." I mean, I literally would go there with my my high school wrestling jacket. Um, but the the jock friends they they eventually I I realized later on because I started you know sophomore year in high school stuff like that. So by yeah. like junior year senior year, I really didn't care, and I was like, "Yeah, I play D and D. What yeah. are you gonna do about it?" You know, and nice. So that was that was something. But yes, I absolutely love that game. It is. Uh, I'm gonna roll the dice and then decide if I put you in a in one of those uh, five finger headlocks. Yeah, five or finger. Possibly, yeah, 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 yeah. I am equally ignorant of D and D and wrestling. <laughs> I can be ignorant in two subjects. All right, so let's go ahead. There's and no five finger headlock. So uh, we can try. We okay. can try. All right, so give us some of your nerd cred besides you destroying D and D. What sort of sci fi, horror, fantasy, superhero stories kind of influenced you growing up? What made you want to do this? Yeah, so the very first thing that I ever got into, and I think this is a pretty familiar story um, for people my age, uh, is the X-Men cartoon came out oh when I was young. Oh my gosh, yes. Right? And yes. so I watched this cartoon on Saturday mornings, and then it inspired me to, I wanted more of the stories, I was compelled by it, and so when I went to the grocery store, my grocery store growing up had like an area where they had comics you know, like a, a bottom row or whatever. And there weren't very many, but they had a few. And there was another little town, like a mom-and-pop store, uh, that had a spinner rack of comics. And so, like, that was how I dipped it out into nerddom. When I was young, it was just like the the gateway drug of cartoon, of animated uh, X-Men. And it led me to things like The Tick. I really liked <gasps> The Tick growing up. This right? is speaking our language. Oh, my God. Okay, right? sorry. <clears throat> Uh, journalistic objectivity, <laughs> journalistic objectivity, <laughs> journalistic objectivity. Okay, sorry. Please. So, please, uh, con- continue, yeah. Miss Ford. <clears throat> yeah, so, uh, so it was sort of that blending place between, uh, between cartoons and that led me into comic books. And the comic books just sort of, like, unlocked an entire other world for me. Um, yes. I didn't have, like, a very – I didn't I, – I, I did have a comic book store in my hometown growing up, but it wasn't – it wasn't a really, it wasn't very good at being a comic book store. Oh my God. Uh, Did we grow drab. up in the same it town? Like, <laughs> it was very like musty and always wet. And like all of the comics were in long boxes. And yes. Not all of them, but like, you know, there was like this week's new releases were out, but like everything else, it just like, it didn't lend itself. No, to I, I totally store agree with you. Well. Mine was actually in the yeah. bottom of some guy's house. And yes, it's exactly. The that guy feel. was like asleep at the debt, like at the at the main like yes. register all the time. Yes. Out, stunk of failure. My guy. Dreams. Yes, my guy always smelled like cigarette smoke. It was always like outside, you know, like ripping. Oh, butts that's and awesome. It, it was just sort of not a very welcoming space, and so you Nerds. know, so I would like get comic books from the grocery store and read them at home, and and that was my gateway into nerddom. Uh, although looking back, a man, I. Like, I had a lot of family growing up. Like, I grew up with a lot of cousins, and we would always, like, play sports and whatever in the yard. But I feel like if we had access to Dungeons & Dragons growing up, we would have rocked the heck out of that yes. game. But for whatever reason, it <laughs> yes. wasn't around. I agree. So. F- favorite X-Men? Favorite X-Men? Oh, it's such a it's such a toss-up. I always think of my little brother on this question because his, without Aww. a doubt, is Colossus. Yeah! And the Russian yeah, juggernaut! <laughs> 
exactly. And so, uh, so we would we would always like pretend, like we would play um, pretend, and you know, I was yeah. Wolverine, and I'd try to like attack Colossus, and he'd be like, "You can't hurt me," you know. <laughs> Aww, so like we would always the game was always like who could beat Colossus. So. Well, you know, fun fact, believe it or not, um, the man who created Jubilee is actually a friend of the Justice Nerds podcast, uh, Jim Fern. So we've actually really? had him on our, sh- our show a bunch. So yeah, we'll have to, you know, have everybody meet everybody. So <laughs> yeah, the link to that episode will be right below uh, the whatever on the uh, that's podcast. In- in- indeed, oh, look at that. That's indeed. fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> so, um, well, uh, so growing yep. up, once you once you got introduced to comics, um, do you which artist do you feel influenced your style? And uh, follow up uh, question to that: How would you describe your art style? So I feel like, so I feel like my own art style is sort of split in half, or at least like my early fandom, you know, the the cartoon watching and comic book reading um, was when I was a kid. And then I got back into comics when I was in college, right? Like there was that time in between where I just sort of like, it wasn't my thing for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and so growing up, I, you know, I, I just sort of read whatever was on the shelf and I gravitated to the art that you know, my childlike sensibilities preferred. I think there was a lot of Joe Mad at the time and like the big names that were doing, you know, X Men stuff. The so X Men like were my jam. I was reading everything X Men. Right. Yeah. And then but I didn't know artists. I wasn't following artists. I didn't you know, like I didn't have a concept of how a comic book comes together. You knew and so what as you an liked. adult Yeah. And it was the story I was after. And the, and the art, I, I remember being young and being very upset when uh, a book would change artists because I found, you know, you'd, you'd have like, I know the feeling. or something. Yeah, we get the feeling. Or, yeah. yeah. And then, you know, and then they would just like one issue or something would just be a completely different style or, you know, just not it. And it just sort of like graded on me. And I think that's why I put comics down for a long time because there was just such inconsistency. Right. And also I was like, my, my tastes were changing. I was interested in other things. Um, but then when I came back to comics, the thing, the gateway drug for me as an adult was blanket was the Craig Thompson work. You know, he did goodbye chunky rice. He did blankets. I was studying uh, children's literature in college mm-hmm. and there was this like, you know, resurgence or the sort of like beginning of this new and very exciting form of literature, which was the graphic novel. And so I started reading more graphic novels, like... Uh, mouse? Um, yes, like Mouse, exactly like Mouse. And uh, and Fun Home by Alison Bechdel, uh, and these sort of like literary things. And I went, I was also going to school in Boston, which has really excellent comic book stores. Gone were the days of the crappy five and dime or the guy's musty basement. Like these are really excellent comic book stores in Boston. Yeah. So I would go to Kamikaze or I would go to the one in Kenmore Square whose name escapes me right now. It's okay, Um, but you know who we are. Yeah. And and uh and so I would go there after um graphic novels. And I found my way back into comics that way. So I was like, oh, I wonder what the X-Men have been doing for a decade. Or, you oh, know, awesome. this Superman looks really interesting. Or, oh, my God, this art is gorgeous. You know, and as an adult with that sort of, like, crafted sensibility, um, I began to look at, you know, at adult comics very differently. I, I was going to um, ask, do you think this is where some of your love for the, the indie genre came from, for your, your reintroduction yes. back into it? 
yeah, so so I so I, I began to like like comics again or like get into it as an art form. I was studying um, in Simmons College. I was doing some writing programs and art programs, and uh, and I found that I really liked the blend of story and picture, and that I had wanted to tell stories like of my lived experience. I wanted to make comics, right? Like I wanted, mm-hmm. I was always drawing, and so I wanted to like tell stories. And when I looked around as a young queer person, this is before gay marriage was right, legalized. Right. Um, there were, you know, civil unions were a thing in Vermont, and Massachusetts was going to be the first state that had gay marriage. Right. And I found myself, like, there was this big national conversation about normalizing queerness, mm-hmm. and and I didn't know how to feel about that. Like, I kind of felt mad about it. Because, you know, isn't all of our identity being on the fringes and in the margins? And now I was, like, a very young person at this time right, right. as well. So anyway, so, so I was looking for reflections of my story. You know, gay comics in general have a really rich history. Right. So I was looking for, you know, for Wendell and for uh, there's a, a crazy comic called Hothead Paisan, something. <laughs> like it, and it's just, like, this wild, like, rage bullshit (laughs) and so like I'm finding all of these like weird other things and nothing is quite right right like nothing reflects my experience of Mm -hmm. being like young and wanting to get laid and like and chasing girls like there was nothing like that out there and so I thought well maybe I can make that you you gotta write your own story you gotta you gotta you gotta write your you gotta you you had something to say no one else was saying it and that's a perfect segue actually for my next question uh, I wanted to know if you could take us through a little bit your your jump. Maybe take us from self-publishing uh, to yep. then becoming employed by the by the big two, and uh, yeah. and kind of through that, if, if you had any advice for a- aspiring comic artists and writers, kind of along the way. Yeah, I will go for the advice first. You've come to this podcast for advice. You shall get advice. Woo-hoo! Yeah, advice you, children, is make a thing, right? Like like I got hired by Marvel because I had made a thing. I had made a bunch of things. I showed that, you know, I had a body of work behind me. I had made uh, Duck, which is about lesbians in Boston. I made the story that I had wanted to see in the world. Uh, And I sort of figured out how to make comics by doing the thing. Um, I also self-published a book about the Boston Marathon. Uh, I have a great-grandfather that came in second in 1902. And so we've always watched. Yeah, so like I'm this I have this treasure trove of information, just like trivia about the Boston Marathon huh. from loving it so much. So I turned it into a book. So I turned it into like a little, you know, like a self-published comic. It's not a zine, but it's like, you know, it what, is what's a the name small of that comic. One? 26.2, A History of the Boston Marathon, available on com. Yes, it is. Um, Bring money. Yeah. And, and also from, uh, if you guys ever come and see me at a comic book show, I always have uh, my indie stuff right oh, alongside all my all my Marvel stuff. So, yeah, so I was self-publishing things. So I was able to, like, look at my editors at Marvel and say, oh, you know, you, yeah, you're interested in me. Here's a link to all of this stuff that I've done. Here's some stuff. And I didn't overload them. They asked me for it. Um, but I had already done Duck and, uh, and the Boston Marathon book. I also did a book, a travelogue called That Time I Turned 30 in Grief. Because, like, I don't know how to title things, apparently. No, I love this. <laughs> but I was like, well, at least people will know what it's about, right? Oh, so I have, like, I have Duck, Duck Second Chances. I have my Indie Lark. 
um, my my duck books, which are about lesbians in Boston. Um, duck is, is the name work. of one of the the characters. That's one of the yeah. It, yeah. I thought it was going to be like I was very young when I first made duck, and I thought it would be really great to name all my characters sort of like an inside joke, like they were all the proper nouns, right? Like there's duck, and then her best friend is named Catherine, and so it's duck and cat. Isn't that adorable? Aww. And then they have a best friend whose last name is Church, and, like, they do the lesbian thing where you always call one of your friends by their last name, which is always, which is also kind of an Irish thing. Yes. Like, if you know anybody Irish, there's yes. definitely a Murph. Yes. Right? Like, <laughs> everybody's got a Murph. Yes. Uh, yes, we do. So, or a Riley. Yeah. Or, you yeah. know, or a Smiths. And yeah, we, you, we all have that. You have that friend. You have that friend that's always the last name. You know, like, you've got the, the nickname thing going on, so... All right. I'm anyway, gonna, so I'm going to interrupt you real quick. I, I would just I just want to say this. I don't normally do this, but uh, I, I want your permission. Can I gush for a second? Okay. So I am actually uh, I'm looking. I've looked at a bunch of your art, and I'm looking at the art for twenty six point two. And when you go into like the description of you know it's Patriots Day, where all the people all over, that is absolutely fantastic, and it's like black and white, and it's gorgeous. <laughs> So I would just like Thank to say it's it it's seriously something that is um, absolutely <laughs> beautiful. I looked at it, I was like, oh my god! I was like, this is amazing. So thank you so much. No, you're very, very welcome. I, so I just wanted to say thank that, you. Know, no, thank you. That that is something that I think people. That's something to you brought into being that did not exist before. Yes. So that is that is excellent. And this is what I always tell kids when I'm talking to kids that come up to my table or from teaching a, a session or something. I'm always saying, you know do something that you love, talk about something that you love, uh, and then but make a story about it. Make a thing. Finish a thing. Write a, you know, one or two page thing uh, and begin there. Comics are, there is a great equalizer about comics, right? Like, you don't need a lot of money up front to do it. Yes, you can get fancy computers and tablets and all this stuff, but, but you can also do it with just paper and a pencil and a pen. Like, you can do comics this way. You can make really compelling stories for very short money. So mm-hmm. make a thing, practice it, study it. Uh, and so I have a deep and abiding love for the Boston Marathon. So I put everything I know about it into a deeply researched book. Um, also, as a side note, um, the book that I wrote came out in 2015, which is three years before, uh, nope, not right. 2015, 2011. Uh, yeah. I was wondering about yeah. that. Yeah, it was not the bombing year. Um, <clears throat> although my... I do have a, yeah, it was 2011. Right. Um, anyway, we do, anyway. So it has a sort of like a glowingly optimistic view um, that I think is kind of precious through this historical lens to look mm. back on it. I've mm-hmm. wondered if I should revisit it. Um, I was, we were, my girlfriend and I were on the course that day of the bombing and oh, she wow. was running in the marathon wow. and we were on the when it happened and like there's another chapter that i could add to this book um but anyway maybe an ep- a- epilogue or or, or yeah. maybe like a like a yeah. almost like a forward kind of thing you know i get that i get that yeah so and that there's you know this sort of like i don't know there's a resiliency to it and a hope that i think is the I, I was the takeaway there. Yeah, I, I was going to say yeah. that th- more than ever now, I think a work like like that is uh, is needed so so badly to yeah. show that you know, the Boston Marathon uh, did not stop. Right. It, it, it exactly. Is, it is still there, and the sun still shines after exactly you know, after that. So, yeah. um, so yep. on this podcast, we we mostly talk about you know caves type side of comics, but um, 
there is a uh, specifically of of course you, your book uh, duck you gotta say that so uh, that <laughs> you, you have you, that explanation point yeah you have to you have to um that you, you may not find in uh working on uh superheroes so what did you enjoy about working on your your indie comics is there yeah, yeah, so um, in other words is there is there anything that uh, you can you get when you work on indie comics that you don't necessarily get when you're doing the capes and tights stuff. Uh, so there's something very concrete that is different. If you are if you look at my independent work and then you look at my work in on Silk on Marvel Silk or my Amazing Spider-Man stuff or the stuff in Black Panther that I've done or any of the like superhero stuff that I've done, um, I'm a much more condensed storyteller in indie formats like I, I tell a lot of story in a small amount of space mm-hmm. um, and one of the things and I think you know from the inside looking out as the artist sort of adapting my independent style to superhero comics one thing I had to learn to do was stretch the page like I'm at most going to get five panels on a page like that's just how, you know, on Silk, Robbie Thompson would write, right. you know, I'd have one or two panels on a, on a page. Like, that's a lot of space to fill up for, right. you know, single moments. And so I found the beginning, you know, um, the first issue of Silk that I did, I did an issue of New Warriors. New Warriors number nine with Christopher Yost uh-huh. was my very first Marvel work. Um, and so I would say that issue and then Silk, uh, number seven during the Secret Wars event. No, was it Secret Wars? It's the one where the world blew up. All these Marvel events, man, they just run together. Um, <laughs> but I think it's the one where they blow up the world. I think it's called Secret Wars. No, no, you're, um, yeah, I believe you're correct. That was, uh, let's see, I was reading that when I was on my honeymoon. My wife and I are about to get <laughs> be complete four years uh, together. So, yeah. yeah, that's Secret Secret Wars. Yep. That tricks out. That tricks mm-hmm. out. <laughs> Verified. Uh, <laughs> I think one of the one of the interesting things to look back on, and something that I think I've grown uh, to be able to do now as an artist, is use up that space, is sort of take a breath, is you know expand and fill the page a bit. Uh, but that was a that was something I definitely needed to learn on the job, uh, because all of the skills that I had were you know small and tight storytelling, mm-hmm. and you know, and superhero comics are buses you know getting blown up, and you know web swingers swinging through a city in three dimensions. And, oh, yeah. And they're wide. They're big. The camera pulls out a lot. You know, like, you, you have to fill up the space. And that was something that was a, that was a real challenge and, and an enjoyable challenge. You know, I found myself flexing my art muscles in a way that I, that I hadn't normally. Like, there's no reason for me to put lesbians, you know, like, 360 degrees in the center of a city. Like, that's not a thing I'm drawing. <laughs> right, and right, so, right. You know, the Boston Marathon happens on a street. Like that's a street level thing. Um, so yeah, it, anyway. it's it's great. I, I'm an artist as well, and so it's it, it is it is something really kind of uh, amazing when you have to draw something that you've never had to draw before, and think about telling a story in a way that you've never had to think about it before, yes. and it forces you to innovate as as an artist. Yes. Yeah, and to to press yes. your boundaries. And I like the idea of, I, as, as a human being, I like the idea of trying things mm-hmm. and being allowed to fail. And when you're working for the big two, I think there's less of a, of a cushion, right? Like, there are a lot of people that are going to say very loud and angry things about you if you try something on the page oh, and get it wrong. Oh, buddy, you know, will like, they? Yeah. 
Don't worry. Uh, the nerds and hordes, we know. They they literally will. One little thing yes. is off that their their shoelaces uh, were tied the wrong way. Well, the the cre- I don't oh know if you knew goodness. about this, but yeah. and Tom, I don't know if you had heard about this, but uh, I think the writer on Venom yeah. recently was receiving death threats. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, whoa, simmer down, mm-hmm. comic book guy. It's yeah. okay. It's going to yeah. be all right. It's gonna. You're gonna be fine. It's just comic books, my dude. It's <laughs> yeah. just comic books. Well, and like you said, you know, where you were like, oh, I got used to this person's art style and I really liked it, and then it changes. That's when you tell them, don't worry. Yeah. In in a year or two, if they're dead, they're gonna come back. If they're not, <laughs> they might be dead. Or something is gonna change. Don't worry. It'll be okay. To, to quote the Hitchhiker's Guide from the Galaxy, don't panic. Don't panic, man. Chill out. <laughs> Um, uh, I like you guys. Oh. I know well, we like you. We like you. <laughs> did we just become best friends? I think yes. we did. I think we did. I think it just happened right now. Um, uh, so, yeah, so, you know, working on comics is very different. I think, you know, the the transition to being able to stay on a monthly schedule, like there, Marvel and DC are paid to, you, they need the trains to run on time. Oh, yeah. And when you're, when you're doing your own comic, right? Like I had a day job and I was working on the weekends on my comic and, and I worked hard and I hustled, but like I was the only one waiting for it. You know, the, in, in comic books, I think in order to get ahead, another tidbit of advice children is Mm -hmm. be accountable, like work hard. The colorist can't do their job until you do your job. The letterer can't finish the comic until you're done with your bit. So the deadlines are tight, but you have to be diligent, I think, and just sort of like, and, and do your best in a small amount of time, right? Like, you never have enough time to do your best work. You've got 20 pages. You're going to do the best you can on them. But, like, sometimes you're going to have to rush because the trains need to run on time. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, so th- this is kind of a long-winded question. Uh, so, okay. it, so in recent years... We've seen an increase in representation, so in, in diversity among popular characters mm-hmm. in both DC and Marvel. You have Batwoman. Mm-hmm. The current r- incarnation of Batwoman is a, is a, is a lesbian. Uh, mm-hmm. We have si- the Simon <laughs> Boz. <laughs> whoop, whoop, what? <laughs> si- Simon Boz, uh, Green Lantern, is Muslim. Uh, of course, we have yeah. uh, Spider- Miles Morales. Miles Morales fr- uh, uh, I've just I'm stuttering a bit because I just started watching Into the Spider Verse yeah, and I'm loving it. Yeah, um, it's so, so good. It's uh, it is so good. So it he's you know so Afro Hispanic, and then of course so one good. that you've kind of had a hand with Silk. She's yes. Asian. So, so yes, while, she is. So while, while many have have lauded this as progress toward greater representation in popular media, some have criticized that this is pandering to sell books. And so my question to you, in your mind. What differentiates one from the other? I think that there I think that seeing oneself reflected in media is critically important. I okay. think that humanity is wide and variety we have a wide variety of people, right? I think that if you are in the market for a like strong white male cisgendered heterosexual man hero the world is your oyster my friends mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. one of the one of the things i'm most proud of in my career is that not only was i drawing a superhero comic for marvel which in itself is cool i also had one of their only solo female titles mm. and until america chavez got her solo series 
uh, I was writing or I was drawing the only woman of color solo series at Marvel. Like, Silk is so profound to so many people in so many ways. Um, one of the, her two best friends in that series are in, 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 in interracial, lesbian, healthy uh, couple, a lesbian relationship together on page that I had nothing to do with. Like, mm-hmm. that already, that was already, that was already there by the time I came on. Yeah. Robbie Thompson wrote that, and he is an amazing friend and an ally. He's so, he's funny and great. He also writes for Supernatural. He's just a, he's just a darling of a dude. But he and I together worked really hard to create characters that felt real, that felt honest, that told a, a Spider-Man story, a Spider-Universe story about with great power comes great responsibility. Right. One of the things that keeps Silk from going dark are her female friends pulling her back from the edge and telling her on the rooftop, girl, we see you. You're being ridiculous. Right. We, can, we know that you shoot webs out of your fingertips. Like, stop lying to us. We love you. Hmm. And like, and that sort of call out, that kind of, that kind of like, we know you're in a dark place, but we see you and we've got you. It is profound for people. I think that, that is the thing that we're after, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, uh, so, for, for a million reasons, it's really important uh, to have representation. I think that there is a very small section of people that say it's pandering, and uh, well, and I don't have time. This doesn't this doesn't have to be for you, my dear. Right, yeah, exactly. Right. And and we kind of say the same thing. And I think Marvel's kind of leaving leading the charge because not only with all this, but yep. um, X Men uh, added Shade. Are are you familiar with with yep. Shade? I, I am not. I am familiar with Shade. So Shade is actually like the first member of the x-men who is actually a drag queen oh uh-huh. so and i w- i will say that she is you know she looks fantastic i mean it it, she, it fits yep. and i look right in and i'm like okay what's the difference this is kind of like this and of course there she is with dazzler and yeah. it makes perfect sense right? and yep. i love all the leafield yep. pockets yeah. <laughs> yeah. i mean so the x-men have been coded queer for their entire existence. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, as a young, closeted queer person, of course I gravitated towards the X-Men. Mm-hmm, There's something, mm-hmm. like, in your DNA that makes you different, that's a secret that no one else can see, and if they find out, you're going to get in trouble. Like, this is such a code right. for being queer. Right. You know, and it's built into the fabric of X-Men. I was having mm-hmm. this discussion with some people at, at a comic book convention about gay X, uh, about gay Iceman mm-hmm. coming out. And, right. And some people were saying, you know, why don't you just make a new gay, you know, gay superhero? And I, I am of the mind mm-hmm. that if you look back to the time that I was reading the X-Men, there was plenty of ground laid for Iceman and his choices of relationships to be seen as a gay man in the closet. Yeah, that there's makes even sense. an issue, and there's even a, a an issue. Uh, during the X Babies run, this is like early two thousands. Use maybe the nineties. Look at like you 90s. going old school. Do you remember school. the X Babies? Do you I, remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they he is in uh like a Barnes and Noble mall bookstore. The comic book opens. He's in a bookstore with Jean Grey, and they have this two or three page conversation where he's like, "Where Jean's saying, you know, there's something you want to tell me, Bobby. You should tell me." And he's like, well, can't you just read my mind? Oh. And they, there's like a pause, and she's like, you have to say it out loud. You have to tell me. And like, for, yeah. 
for queer people, this is the moment, right? Like, right, he's right, right. His mind. That's it. Then yeah. this in the future is gonna is gonna make it so that a young, you know, teenage Jean Grey is gonna rip that that you know like that secret out of him because mm-hmm. she you know doesn't have the like self control and all the stuff. Mm-hmm. But like, there is there's canonical stuff. If you've been following these characters for years, that's there. Like he also gets with the Ice Queen. I mean, there's the writing on the wall. And right. so for me, to have a character be in the closet for many years and then to come out as an adult man and come to terms with the fact that he is a gay man while being confronted with, like, his much cooler, uh, young, like, queer and free, not, you know. Right, right. You know, well, would be a nightmare. Like, that's the story I want to read. That's a, That feels authentic to me, yeah. you know. That feels... Like real life to me. I totally agree with you. And, and, you know, like I said, a lot of them, you know, I was, I'm all for, but there, honestly, sometimes I, I did feel like, um, like Alan Scott, the Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. Like it was one of those, that one to me was kind of a throw off. The only reason was, is there's never been any inkling. There's never been any, any change, yeah. you know, and all of a sudden they're like, yep. oh yeah, by the way, he's gay. And I was like, mm, come on guys. I was like, okay, yep. I'm good with it. I don't mind. But I was like. Are you doing did you this find? Because, did you? What you know. did it feel like? Lazy storytelling yes, to you? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think. I think you still have to do the work. I think tokenism is a real thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, like you have to make people authentic and flawed and real. And you know, um, I was talking with Mags Asagio. We were on a panel together, and um, and I had said something like, you know, the question comes up: What do you want for the future of queer comics, or what do you want? You know, what would you, you want to see? And I said, you know, this might be a bit of a hot take, but I want to see trans characters that are allowed to fuck up and be flawed, not be perfect, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I want queer characters that can be shitbags, you know? Like, because you don't want to... Right now, we have one or two, and they, there's, like, the purity test. Oh. And this was a couple of years ago. And so, like, there's there are dimensional characters, uh, I think, coming onto the scene more now. Well, but it's yeah, kind of yeah, like absolutely. People are people. What, what do you, so, what do you think about this, Tana? I've been th- I've been thinking yeah. about the, this ca- kind of this question. The re- one of the reasons I asked you this question is because it's something that we've often pondered on the right, show. We have. So, so let me yeah. I'll, let me give you my perspective, and then you tell me what you think. As far as sure. so, what is the difference? Wh- what's the difference between representation and pandering? And I know that part of it is I know this much because mm-hmm. I am actually part of that demographic that you're talking about, that the, you know, kind of the world is my, my oyster. I mean, comic, I've been represented in comics for years yeah, and yeah. years and years. Well, but I'm not going to lie. We're not in that kind of shape. We're not. We are not. We're we are not, not in that. We're damn not. it, Chris. Why did you have to? Body image. Sorry, just, dude. All right. Thanks. <laughs> Anyhow, um, my thought is the differ, diff, so to differentiate uh, representation from, from either, you know, tokenism or, or, or pandering, I think it has to do with, is whatever the the feature of the character, whether they be uh, a, a queer character or whether they be uh, a, a character of color or anything like that, uh, if it is not necessarily central to who the character is, so I- if it mm-hmm. is not like this is a this is a main right, exactly. point, yes, then I, I feel like it's more of representation uh, as opposed to if if so much attention. Is, is necessarily called to it. So I don't know. What, what do you think about that idea? I think it's a, I think it's a really nuanced set of, um, of ideas and things to break down. Um, one of the things that I love, so have you guys seen the new Star Trek Discovery series? No, no. I, I, or I, even I, the, 
even the Kelvin universe, like yes. there are, I like it when characters are established as queer. So right. It's such a complicated topic. If you're writing a story about coming out mm-hmm. or being queer or where queerness is a part of the central theme, then of course queerness should be part of the central theme. Right. I also think that, you know, if you are a gay character in the world, it's not as simple as just being a gay character or a person of color or a woman of color or, 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 or. The way you are in the world dictates a lot of the lens through which you experience and process the world. Right. Mm-hmm. So the mm-hmm. world for Captain America is going to be different than the world of Ms. Marvel, of Kamala Khan. Right. You know, they can, they can still be on the same team and the right, same exactly. side, but they're going to experience a daily life very differently. Oh, yeah. Um, and so I think it's, you know, I think, number one, everything serves story first. I think you serve the story best, and you mm-hmm. serve it first. Right. Uh, and right. I think that, you know, what best serves story is three-dimensional characters, realistic characters, characters that, you know, that express a wide variety of the spectrum of humanity. Um, give me those characters. Show me their nuance. Um, portray them well. You know, That's the stuff I want to see. They're in, um, in Star Trek, there's like a, a throwaway line of, uh, of the, who is it? I'm blanking. The gay man and his husband, and they have a child. Sulu? I think it's in the news. It's the new Discovery series. Oh, oh okay. It new might series. be Sula, too. But yeah. there's, like, a picture of the two dads and the kid. Right. 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 Mm-hmm. see this? And it's like, and so you just, in that one second, you know a lot about that family. It would be the same as if you were seeing, you know, a picture of his wife and child. Right. You know, mm-hmm. except right. it happens to be his husband and his child. Right. I like stuff like that. I like that there's a sort of, that there can be a kind of normalizing effect. You know, mm-hmm. that, that people mm-hmm. exist and that we are allowed to be seen. For queer people, we were not, we were categorized and we were not allowed to be seen. We were, right. you know, told we were aberrations, that we were not allowed to exist in the public sphere. A lot of the conversation right now about trans rights and trans inclusion mm-hmm. is whether or not transsexual people or transgender people are allowed to exist in the public sphere. So the bathroom debate, you know? Right, uh, right, right. Like, it's a lot of this stuff gets very nuanced. Uh, it is a it is a very complicated thing, and I think when you boil it down to its most essential part, I think you show the wide variety of the human experience. Right? I, I, I feel like we could probably. Writing, have, oh, sorry. I'm sorry, Tana. Go ahead. And I, uh, my final thought is that by showing people like this, you create empathy in your audience. I know more about what it's like to grow up as a young Muslim girl in New Jersey because I read. Uh, Ms. Marvel, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. than I would have known, you know, before reading it, right? Like, there right. are a lot of similarities to between her life and the sort of, like, Irish Catholic upbringing that I have. There's a lot more empathy, you know, that I have towards my fellow man mm-hmm. and woman because of things like reading and sharing experience. And I'm so sorry for interrupting you. What I was going to say was, I feel like this particular topic yeah. almost merits yeah. like oh, we could do a whole, oh, just we could a, do an a entire show, show <laughs> but just around. Well, that. one thing, one thing I will we say, should. then I wouldn't have to come up with my uh, with my ideas like off the top of my head. Exactly. Well, uh, you know, what's funny <laughs> is you were talking about you know that you want to see that flawed character who who's dealing with it, and um, believe it or not, Netflix has has just nailed. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it yet, The Umbrella Academy. Oh. So, uh, 
I'm loving it. I'm okay. only three, maybe four right. episodes in, and I did read the Dark Horse book when it first so, came out. So, well, Klaus. But it's been a while, and I don't quite remember. Right. But, you know, like, I, I kind of remember it, and I'm like, when is the, you know, when is the, um, the thing in Paris, what's it called? The Eiffel Tower going to make its appearance? Like, I'm, right. I'm waiting. Like, I can't right. remember the whole thing. So, so from, from, what I've, from what I've heard, basically, they've kind of changed some things, but I will tell you, um, what you were looking for, you're going to find in that. And uh, I, I will tell you, uh, Klaus is very, um, he, he he seems very one-dimensional when you first see him, but you, he ends up, you know, there's a lot more involved. So, yes. yeah, as and you continue to watch, you, you really yes. see that, that difference. I, I just saw, I mean, I don't know, spoilers if you. Oh, yeah, yeah, spoiler, spoiler. yeah, yeah. Spoiler, spoiler. Yeah, yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah, just. Spoiler Skip alert. ahead. I'm Skip ahead. Talk about like episode four. So I, I just I just last night watched the episode where Klaus is like locked into yes. in the mausoleum. Yes. And is can like is that is abuse of a oh, child. One hundred percent. Reliving that stuff. One hundred percent. No wonder he's doing all of these drugs and disassociating. And well, yeah, and, that, and that's to, the like, thing. Shut up the voices. You, you know what's kind oh, of funny God. how um you know how each of the children are numbered. And it, it just happened to be episode four, and Klaus is number four. So they, 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 but they weren't doing that, right? Like episode one wasn't about number one, right? I know it, it just it just happened cool to be it just happened to be, but um, it, it you see why he's been using all his drugs and why he's yes. been doing that, and it's not only to suffocate his powers, but just kind of to negate the world. And he ends up being later on in in the series, he ends up being thrusted into uh, something that he really wouldn't have done but he was kind of forced yeah and um he ends up having to relive and actually finds one of the happiest parts of his life and one of the saddest parts of his life in yeah. in just this one hmm. uh incident so Ugh. um i can't wait to get there i think so to bring back around to comics yes, yes. you know the umbrella academy i so when the umbrella academy was first coming out i had just started I was sort of maybe in the middle of just getting back into comics, oh. and I was sort of reading anything that was super exciting to me. Right, right. Um, you know, and the earliest, I think that there, the way the Umbrella Academy came into being was uh, that there was a short story, and the short story was about Klaus, like, talking to dead people and oh, floating. Okay. And, like, and so I think Klaus is actually one of the entry points or the creative team to get into right. the story that would become the Umbrella Academy. Uh, and so, yes, it makes sense that he's one of the most fascinating characters and one of the most lovable, too, right? Like, he's such oh, a yeah. mess. You know, and I just, I, you can't help but love the guy. And, it, and it's oh, funny. My, so my fiance just absolutely loves him. She, she calls he's him. So good. He's kind of the leaf in the wind where everybody else yep. goes about their way and they're soldiers and this is what they want to do. And he's just kind of, he's that kid. In in T ball practice, he's the one in outfield chasing butterflies. That was me. Yep. Yeah, yes. totally me. Yep. Yeah, that was me. So yep. you know, well, yep. damn guys, you're really making me want to check out this yes. series. So, I have I have no, I have seen none of this. I have read none of the Funny Umbrella enough, Academy. You know, oh, no, you know what's the you're missing out. Oh, it's so Gabriel Ba's best work. Yes, it's just, it's you know what's so the craziest that, thing? Oh, it's beautiful. Like the comic is yeah. beautiful, and they've taken that sort of that 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 almost untranslatable stylistic quality yes. 
um, and and they've actually made it come to life. Yes. In this series, it's gorgeous. The it's best way that I describe start it, to finish, it's so well crafted. Well, no wonder you love it, Tana, because the best way that I describe it, people to people is it's X Men meets like the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Okay. Yes. All right. Yes. So yes. it's <laughs> yes. you know a mm-hmm. smattering of these children who grew up and they cannot stand one another. Yep. And they all go their separate ways, and they end up having to come back as adults. And they yep. they cannot stand each other. But you see these little nuances of they still get along. They still love each other. And you, you kind of yep. see Like brothers this. and sisters. It's exactly what it is. Huh. It's exactly what it well, is. Well, damn. And that kind of, like, dysfunctional family, at a certain point, it was in last night's episode that I watched, the one on Klaus. Yes. It must have been episode four. And number one, what's his name, Luther, is talking to the guy with the knives. That's uh, Diego. Diego, yeah. Yeah, so Luther is talking to Diego, and Diego is calling out Luther. You know, he's like, we all left home at 17. That's what you're supposed to do at 17. Right, he's like, you big The question nerd. isn't, why did we leave? It's, why'd you stay? Huh. Yes, yeah. why did you choose to stay? And, yeah. like, we're the only ones that went through the same garbage life that you went through. So, like... I don't We're know. We're your yeah. only people. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. But, That's sort of like broken togetherness. Yeah. It's so good. Now, now, I'm, I'm going to go excuse myself so I can go home and yeah. start watching no, this. No, here's the thing. And this, is what I love, <laughs> and this is what I love telling people. Do you know who wrote this? No, no, I, I do not. Do you remember a band called My Chemical yep. Romance? My yes. Chemical Romance. It's the lead singer. Are you Chemical fucking Romance. kidding me? No, I swear to God. Oh, my yeah. God. See, I love telling way. people that. Mind yes. blown. Yeah. I know. And now he's being known as like the guy that wrote Umbrella Yeah, that's Academy that's exactly it. Oh my god. They're like, that, oh, he's a singer yeah. too? Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> all um, right. So, listen, uh, we, I, I got, oh my god, I feel like we could talk so to you good. all night. Let yeah, me let me fantastic. let me at least yeah, uh, yeah let, I'll uh, get to, to our, right, our kind so, of concluding questions and I, I feel bad kind of ending the the well, interview on I have a, some, on a down I have note. A, I have another you, one that isn't on the list. Do you have some pick-me-ups? Yeah, I do. I have some pick-me-ups so that we can go from there. So, uh Damn it, Tana! Why did you have to be so fun? Because now I feel bad, like asking you this question about this yeah. this horrible I mean, tragedy. Well, we're obviously, best friends now. So, yes. all right, uh, okay. You well, heard good. it first well, on good. the Justice Nerds right. podcast. Yeah, absolutely, that Tana Fort is B- best B- friends BFFs. with us. BFF. Yes, that's right. Best friend material. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So I don't feel so bad now. No, all right. So, uh, so yeah. In, in you know, as everyone knows, we we had a, a tragedy with the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas shooting last year. Uh, in uh, in February of 2018, so months after the shooting, yeah. the West Boca Raton Community High School held a silent protest in their school courtyard. Uh, I, I actually hadn't known about this uh, this part of it, but th- the the protest actually sort of morphed into this this walkout, and the students yep. walked 10 miles to Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. Uh, fun, uh, not fun fact. I mean, but tri- trivia here. My sisters actually went to Marjorie Stoneman. Douglas. Well, yeah, and I, I told they? you somebody that that I worked with actually, unfortunately, um, one of his little cousins was a victim of that tragedy. Oh my! So, God. so I, I mean, mean it touches all it, of us. It's it, it has it's it's touched all of us. So yeah. the the students from the West Boca Raton uh, Community High School uh, they w- they walked ten miles to Marjorie Stoneman yeah. Douglas in a show of solidarity. So Tana, please tell tell us how you became involved in a project to help them turn their story into a graphic novel. Yeah, so um, I had been working on comics uh, the day of the shooting and uh, came on the news, and I had been sort of glued to my TV that week, and the next day, I think it was the next day, it was um, 
very shortly after uh, that the spontaneously the students marched out of school, like they kind of escaped their school. And I have a friend that works there that also went to high school at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. So she is a graduate of Marjorie Stoneman Douglas and now works at the next school over as a, as a teacher. Mm. Um, and so she was on the ground and was like, you know, texting, like, are you watching the news and, um, oh and all of that stuff. And so like, I'm watching these kids and the news coverage was crazy. Um, there are still live videos that I have. Um, and, and, I volunteered to help these kids turn this incredible story into a comic book. Uh, and, and so over the next couple of months, we would meet up once a week and work on this together. And they did it. And I got to teach them a little bit about comics and oh, they got awesome. to tell their story. The story is called the, we called our book, the, um, the West Vocal Walkout. It's the story of students ready to make the world change. And all of it is drawn by the kids. All of it is written by the kids. Oh, it's wow. their words, their pictures. Uh, wow. There's actual, like, news footage or, you know, like, excerpts from the Miami Herald and the Sun Sentinel and, and the, the people that carried the story. They were wow. trending on Twitter that day. Like, the, the tears are pouring down their face. The, the school themselves, like, they, they had planned on holding a, a moment of silence. And the kids started standing up and giving these speeches, these spontaneous speeches about their friends and their loved ones. Mm. One kid's cousin was killed, and uh, and he's cheerfully, you know, shouting mm-hmm. for change. Mm-hmm. And other kids are standing up, and, and everyone's being very respectful, and everyone has cell phones, and so they're all watching this. And a group of, um, of the wrestlers, right, we used to be wrestlers, uh, link arms, and they go to the front gate. The front gate, for whatever reason, was ajar. And they just left school, like, and poured out. There's video of just these kids wow. just pouring out of school. And so to my mind, right, to my cynical mind, I'm thinking this is the end of the story, right? Like, kids right. escape school, and they just, They just wanted you know, an excuse a, to leave. Yeah, exactly. They go in a thousand different directions. Not these kids. These kids stayed together through, it was, so hot, out, blisteringly hot out. None of them were dressed for this. Like they had long pants on because they're conditioned in school. They had like crappy sandals. Right. They had stuff they, they had didn't to wear. have any food yeah. or water. Backpacks full of books. Some of them got super sunburned. Like while we were working on the comic, their shoulders uh, and arms were peeling. Uh, they had you know sort of blistered feet because their shoes had broken, and they had to get socks or something to cover their feet right. at, like, the CVS on the corner. Wow. And they just marched, and the, the police helicopters were following them. The, the news was covering for them. At first, the police tried to turn them around, uh, but they wouldn't be dissuaded. They held together thousands of kids. It's a huge high school. Wow. And they marched 10 miles at, you know, high noon. It was between, like, 10 in the morning and noon uh, to Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. And by the time they got there, the police, were happy they were doing it and had blocked off roads instead of trying to block the kids. They had like created a path for them to go down. And the school sent buses. The West Boca High School had sent buses ahead to bring them back home when they were done. Uh, some of the parents had ordered a bunch of pizzas uh, so that they would have something to eat finally and water when they got there. And the other kids from Marjorie Stoneman Douglas that were not allowed into school because it was still a crime scene. Right. Um, met them there, 
and 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 it was this big powerful moment, and I, wa- I felt so powerless. And you know, I'm drawing comics alone in my house, and and I was like, I want to do something. I want I want to do something. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I had been talking with my friend who's a teacher, and I was like, I. Ask the kids to write down what happened. Like, ask them if they want to make a comic book. And so we put out a call. Anybody that wants to make a comic book with a Marvel artist should, you know, meet at the town park at 3. And uh, a bunch of kids came, and we worked on the book together. And and I taught them some stuff about, about I don't know, ownership of one story, of, like, being able to tell what happened to you. And I don't know. So... So that's, this that's one beautiful. Good thing. That that's fantastic, yeah. and you know, and it's one thing that, you know, I obviously it's this comic book about the kids and everything like that. But I, I kind of want to shine a little light on you, and what that is is, you have have shown that you know you have taken your skill, no matter what it is. Anybody who's willing to volunteer, wanting to help, wanting to do something, you were able to go. You know. I can help out. This is what I am good at. This is something that I can bring to the table. Do you think that, you know, I can help in this way? So, you know, yes. like I said, I, I really want to, you know, put even my, my thanks out there that you took oh. and thought about it, that you're like, you know, this is something that I can do. And and for other people, whether it's donating water, donating any anything that yes. would have been able to help. I mean, even the smallest way would have been able to help. So, like... You know, I, I would like to say, like, on behalf of the human race, thank you for even doing that. Mm-hmm. I mean, because, you know, it's that is that is few and far between. And mm-hmm. that, that honestly mm-hmm. is kind of a little heroic. <laughs> Thanks. I um, I uh, the kids, the kids did it all. They were wonderful. Right. I have uh, I am uh, I my I'm I'm updating my website. Right. By the time you listen to this internet land, uh, <laughs> you will be able to download this. If you're interested in this book and you want to see the kids work, go to TanaFord.com and download it. It's oh, free fantastic. to download. It's available to everyone. Uh, there's information about the students that worked on it. Oh, and one thing I want to say about it more, when we did this and we worked together, um, the wonderful people, I don't, you guys are Florida dudes. I don't know if you ever go to SuperCon. Um in South Florida, but last year Supercon gave us a panel space. We did our oh, wow. our, uh, our official book launch of the West Boca High Walkout at the show, and they allowed me to, you know, they gave me panel space. I talked a little bit about self-publishing a comic oh, and wow. sort of like nuts and bolts of how to make it, mm-hmm. but I had the kids up on stage with me that have worked on this book, and they got to talk about their experience and talk about their art and talk about what it was like you know, to make a story and to translate pain into something positive, into something, right. you know, look out for the future. And and, uh, and it was pretty wonderful. But the, the Supercon folks, and beyond just being very gracious to me and to the West Boca students, put on an excellent show. I, I do a fair amount of comic book shows, and mm-hmm. Supercon was so much fun. And there was great families and and I can't thank them enough. So if you are in the South Florida area or you're looking for a new uh, comic book convention to go to, Supercon, uh, it's in North Miami this year. They're moving it. It was okay. closer to me uh, last year than it's going to be this year. Um, but it's over 4th of July weekend this year. Excellent. So if you're in Florida, thank you. 
Yeah, in the high, hot summer. Come, yeah. uh, well, it'll be air-conditioned by the Those time. Those cons Super are con. always so – especially yeah. if you go in costume. I remember yes. one year I was <laughs> I, I cosplayed it as Batman and oh. Megacon. Do you want to talk about the Batman? It was in the middle of summer. Tell I was me. right there with you. Oh, my God. So he and I both, we have our bat suits, and – by the, I, I remember by, I was there all day, and, and my fiance oh. went as, as Catwoman, so uh, Spider Jen went as, as Catwoman, oh. and I was in full. Full Batman. regalia. Yeah, oh. but he and I are in armor, plus our suits, you know, everything, and by the end of it, I'll never forget oh. it. I Literally, I'm just like, I'm, I'm hearing like this dripping noise <laughs> uh, like on yeah. my gauntlets, and I'm like, where, where is that coming from? And yep. they're like, that's your nose, pal, you know, because yeah. it, it's just all just coming from it. So. Um, I yep. think that was the moment I started calling bullshit on Batman comics. Yeah. Like, there is no freaking way. No way he could do gymnastics you know, you in know this bullshit. Bat- you know what Batman's greatest <laughs> nemesis is? It's not the Joker. It's dehydration yeah, because but- that dude would be dead. Yeah, but you know what? No wonder he stays in good shape because he's always in a sweatsuit. Oh, my God. You know? Yeah. All right. So, you know, with with this topic and, and how it's always been, you know, uh, uh, school shootings and, and gun violence and how it's kind of been a touchy subject. Um, have yeah. you received like any kind of like criticism, backlash, anything for your decision to kind of do that book? I don't see wh- how you kind of would, but I'm just kind of curious. I mean, I am a woman on the internet. Of course, I've gotten oh lord, and yeah, like I get a lot of, I, I get a fair amount of, you know, I hate you, stop making comics stuff. Uh, at a certain point, I mean, the block button is your friend. Well, we hate <laughs> them, and you know, like you just kind of you. I am. I exist in the world as a woman, as a queer woman in the world. So, um, what so could you possibly have to that. worry about, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, that's that's um, one and, of those, you know, you know so, where you tell those people, you know what, man, it looks down to me like you're really hurt. You know, is your art not that good? Is that what it was? <laughs> Just remember, yeah. You know, Hitler you know, went like, to art school and got rejected. So I'm like, is that what you're upset about? Chill out, bro. Just chill <laughs> out. It's you know, and I think there's so at a certain point, I'm. I lean into the positives, right? Like, I have a healthy and thriving community of comic book people, um, you know, across all spectrums. Straight white guys, cisgendered people, non-binary people, like, all all types of people. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fans and creatives, people doing the hard work uh, on the front lines. Um, And I've devoted my career, I mean, this is the, I'm doing the work that I want to do in the world, and, you know, I'm, I'm showing the kind of people that I wanted to see growing up right. in comics. In comics, I'm able to do that now. I'm able to help uh, the next generation of comic book makers yeah. find their voice. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And Absolutely. so that's the stuff that I hang on to. I, I block the haters and, you know, yeah. thankfully. But it's dangerous, right? Like, it's dangerous to be a woman in the world. It is dangerous I- to be you know, an outspoken voice. I can, I can uh, totally understand that. I can totally under. All right. So, so I have a question. Yep. It is, it is, I know we've <laughs> sent you our list. So, uh, I, I kind of want to brighten things up. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. I want to know what is your favorite fan moment? My favorite fan moment. Yeah. Like, like you being at the cons or something like that. Oh and, yeah. You know, so, just the, besides me gushing, but you know, somebody else, I, I want to hear somebody else. <laughs> Uh, I have um, my the one I always think of first is I think it was MegaCon last year. There was a, a a kid that was there with her family, so she had some older siblings, and her mom and dad were very cool. Um, but she was just like no nonsense in my business, 
asking me questions, just giving me, just giving me the business. And so I asked her what I normally ask a lot of kids that come up to my table. And I was like, okay, you have, you know, I sometimes give away rubber duckies because it ties in really well with my book named stuff, <laughs> um, which is now out of print. So like, I don't give away ducks anymore. Sad, but, like I could always give, you know, like a rubber duck wearing a cowboy hat or like whatever goofy little thing I, I had that. to, you know, to little kids. And I would always ask them, you know, okay, it can be, you know, who is your favorite villain or hero? You can, cartoons count. Uh, and if you can name it, you know, then you'll get the the rubber ducky. Right. And the kids, like, think really hard about it because, like, oh, my God, this is, like, a moment. Right? I like, need this duck. Wrong. Yes. I can't mess this up. I can't mess this up. And this little girl just gave me every answer in the book and then gave me all the, like, all the reasons why this was her favorite you know, superhero or supervillain. And every time she walked by, she would just come back and, like, hang out with me. And it Aww. was so sweet. And her parents, yep, and her parents were really nice about it. That's cool. Um, yeah, and so, like, and she brought back, like, I don't know, some of her other little friends to introduce me to them. So, Aww. like, it was just this, like, super pure, very sweet moment that's, uh, with a fan. That's fantastic. So, like, for me, like, little, like, kids getting into comics, kids talking to me, uh, about what they're into, uh, what they like, you know, they have opinions. And so, I don't know. So for me, that's always the best part. No, that, that is awesome. All right. So then, then I, I was just going to add one thing. I, yeah. I feel that, yeah. you know, probably for, for those of us that do kind of love comics yes. and science fiction and yes. genre, there there's something from childhood that we haven't quite let go of that we still kind of oh, yeah. have. Yeah. And I, I think it's that, I think that's one of those things that's, it's great to – see kind of children at the beginning of their journey right you, you know yes. what's funny with that like like you mentioned so i was in my full batman costume and i saw so many different you know costumes and everybody wanted pictures yep. and i mm-hmm. loved it however um it was at megacon probably about two years ago there was i don't know she was maybe two and a half mm-hmm. three years old mm-hmm. yeah and mom and dad had dressed her up as the rocketeer I remember this. And nice. I, you know what? I will, I'll have to email. You got to see these photos. She is just the sweetest little thing. Ugh. And she knew everything about it and who she was. And she's Ugh. like, look at my jetpack. And she's showing me her rocket. Ugh. And she goes, look, we put gum on it because I remember when it got shot, it. you know, and she's talking about yes. it. And I was like, and I, and like, I yes. looked at her and I was like, can I, can I take a picture with you? Like, and she goes, oh, you want to take a picture? I'm like, yes, yes, I do. Yes, I do right now. Yes, I do. You know, and it, uh, it was it, it's stuff like that. Like I said, it's it's I love seeing that newer generation yes, of their like I like this stuff. You know, and I'm like, oh, yep. thank God. You know, and this to is be the around coolest so thing. many people that are into the same thing that they're into. Yes, right? mm-hmm. that are super mm-hmm. into this thing yes. that they're into. I had a my I, my niece and nephew came to Boston Con a couple of years ago when I was still up in Boston, and it was right after the. The, the Joker movie came out, the Harley movie, what was it? Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. Suicide Squad, mm-hmm. And yes. so, so Harley was everywhere. Now, they were too young oh, to see the boy. movie, right? But oh, for some boy. reason, like, Harley, yeah, Harley was, like, her yeah. character. She just loved this Harley. And she had this sort of a Batman animated series oh, version of Harley. The Paul Dini, in yes. Mind that, the Bruce Timm yeah. and Paul Dini, yes. The only yes, one in my mind. Yeah, but we yeah, yeah. won't go there. But go the on. Best. The absolute best of all Harleys. <laughs> yes. The best of all Harleys. But, but so here's my niece, you know, who I love dearly, who is just absolutely 
gobsmacked. There's a group of 12 or 13 Harleys, oh. all different kinds, movie Harleys and uh, Batman animated series right. Harleys and everything in between, giant, you know, uh, the mallets that they had, right. you know, like a full costume, beautiful, like professional cosplayers and amateur cosplayers, just everybody oh. together, a ton of Harleys. And here's this kid who is looking at them like she has seen the face of God. <laughs> you know, like just, just, and and one of them, one of the Harleys like motioned over, you know, like come take a picture with us. And, and she's kind of like stiff legged and like, okay. And goes over there Aww. and the girl, you know, like it puts her, her arm around her a little bit. And she's like, what's your name? Sugar. And my niece just about died. That's it. it. This, yeah. That's it. She oh, she said the thing. She, she knows me. Thing. She knows me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. she was like shaking after that. It was the cutest damn thing. That's great. I've ever seen. See, so this stuff matters. So characters matter to people. Exactly. Right? Like we love this stuff. Yeah. See, and what's yeah. funny is, is. You know, it's cute when kids do it, but when Jay and I do it, when we meet people, we're like, no, oh, he knows who I am. It's, it's not so cute. It's, it's not it's, cute it's, anymore. It's not cute. I'm it's like, oh, my cute. God. There's definitely an age cut off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I call bullshit. But, I, you know. I, I weirded out Green Lantern, Chris. I don't know what, what what happened. I just, like, I jumped into his arms and was so excited, and he just was like, get out of here. And I, Leave me alone, man. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Well, and I, there was a final story about a fan, and again, it's always the kids, like, that's, and also that's what fantasy is about, like, the, the genre, you're, you're trying to save the child inside everyone, yes. right? Like, do you guys read Game of Thrones or, or watch the, the series? Yes. Love it. Yes. Love it. Yeah, so, like, Stannis, his big question is, what is the life of one child against you know, all of the children in the realm. Mm-hmm. And, like, that, the answer is everything, my dude. Like, it's everything, mm, yes. right? Like, you, the yep. sanctity of life, my man, like, you can't, this, and, and so anyway, so I think wound into our escapist genre of stuff is this sort of, like, preservation of the wonderment of, you know, of the possibility of, I don't know, of kids. And anyway, there was well a kid. Said. Yes. Well <laughs> said. What? Well, no, really. Well, getting, well said. I'm getting. I'm getting a little wound up. There was a kid who recited <laughs> the entire Green Lantern thing to me. I mean, it's, yeah. Like, I didn't know he could speak, and he was like, "Yes, in darkest day and longest oh. night," and like did the whole oh. thing. And I was like, "Are you kidding me?" And I thought it was a fluke, and I was like, "You know." Do it again, and he did it again. Like there are, there are like he doesn't know his babies. name, but he knows <laughs> that it was nuts. It was totally nuts. That's awesome. Anyway. That's so, awesome. what kind of projects do you have on the horizon? If you can tell us, because we've had some who have like super top secret stuff that they can't really talk about, and they're like, "Oh, well, we'll talk about yes. it next year." So, is there stuff you can yeah, talk so about? I have a super secret project I can't yet talk about. Oh, <laughs> Newman! Dang it! Uh, I know, uh, but. My, but my not-so-super-secret project, which is uh, almost at its finale, I'm done with the work on it, but the fourth of four issues doesn't come out until uh, the sixth. It comes out this week, next week. Oh, awesome. This coming Wednesday, I uh, believe. T- tell me the um, name again, please. It is LaGuardia. Oh, oh yes, of course, yes, 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 yes. LaGuardia, yes, yes. Yep. And so the final issue uh, of our miniseries comes out in comic book form this Wednesday. So I where can everybody get Wednesday, that? The, the publishing schedule got kind of moved around a bit. So I'm not sure, but I believe that it's this Wednesday. And that's the fourth issue. And after this, you know, it'll be collected into a trade paperback. And 
Okay, uh, so if people need to get, like, back issues and whatever, they can go into their local comic book store and, and yes. pick this up? Yes. All right, so make sure, guys. Of LaGuardia, they're through, it's through Dark Horse. Uh, it's being edited by the amazing Karen Berger, who, I don't know, awesome. discovered a guy named Neil Gaiman. Oh, little, uh, well, we, we might know, know who he is. Just, just might know. <laughs> just might know. You might have heard of him, little guy, little so, British guy. We have a little saying here on the on the show. So, guys, if you want to go and read this, which I highly suggest, make your way over to your local comic book shop and bring money. Bring money. Yeah. The um, what is the other thing that I want to? Oh, and can I just uh, tell you where I'm going to be in the world? Oh, so actually, I just, show. where can people find you? I, I, I want that out there. Where can people find you? <laughs> yeah. where, where is Tana? So, She's lost. Where did she go? Yes, yes follow me on all the things. Uh, I mostly hang out on Twitter. Okay. Uh, and yeah, I do some Instagram stuff, but I have a, I'm going to sound really fancy, you guys. All right, so wh- let's start. Manager. Wait, hang on. Let, let us put on our, our monicles. Yes. Okay. M- yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Please don't yes, proceed. I'm adjusting my cummerbund. Yes. Uh, yes. I, have a, I have a person that manages my Instagram account, mm, so I'm, yes. I'm not like, I'm kind of a dinosaur uh, when it comes to Instagram. Like, I don't quite get it. Um, can can I tell so you a secret? Sometimes you're talking to Ashley, and sometimes you're talking to me. But can we tell you a anyway, secret? Anyway, I'm on Instagram at Tana Ford Designs. I'm okay. on Facebook on Tana Ford Designs, and I'm on Twitter at Tana Ford. Uh, you can email me if you have any questions or want to talk about this podcast. At oh, that's Kay awesome! At Tana Ford. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, I have a little bit of a Since secret it? for you as well. Tell me. Yeah, we have someone who manages our Instagram as well. <laughs> It's, yeah. it's a thing, right? Like people. Do yeah, that. Like it's I, all right. I, I you feel know. like a dinosaur, but I'm like, I don't really. Hey, we go on there. Kind of you know, if you ask us questions, me, so. you know, I'm pretty good about that. Uh, we're we're pretty good yeah. about that. So, well, that's that's fantastic. Okay, so this is kind and of then, a yes. What else? Well, final thing, and then uh, I am doing back to back comic book conventions. So, where in, can we find in you? March. Yeah, in March of 2019, uh, I'm going to be at Emerald City Comic Con. I think my table is O, as in... Oh, my God. Or oh, my. Oh, my. Uh, o, two, I think. Oxygen. Okay. Oxygen. Come, uh, come you, breathe that oxygen. If you want a fresh, uh, fresh breath of air, you can yeah, go to the Town of table. See? Like that? <laughs> yeah, so if you're going to be at Emerald City Comic Con, come and say hi. Uh, I'll have all the books we talked about tonight with me. Uh, including all of LaGuardia and a Cafe Racer book I did with Sean Murphy. Uh, there's tons of stuff we could talk about. Um, and then the following weekend, let's see that. So that is Emerald City Comic Con is the 15th, 16th, 17th of March. And then the following weekend, the 22nd to the 24th, I will be in Chicago for C2E2. Ooh. So come and find me there, my friends. Where, where, is, uh, where is Emerald City Comic Con? I'm, I'm not familiar with where that's, that's located. That's in Seattle. 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 Yes, yes, it's in Seattle, Washington. The land of the dreary clouds. Mm. Yes. <laughs> Birthplace know, of, of garage band Florida. music. Yes. Yeah, for like snow and sleet and ice. And yeah, so. no, it's fantastic. But yeah, so I'll be, in, I'll be in those great cities. Come by and say hi. Yes. Uh, Make sure that you guys do. And if you tell her that... Uh, you know, you, you heard it from the Justice Nerds podcast. Be like, hey, I, I yeah. heard that great interview uh, over there, so that way we can uh, have all of that. All right, so we kind of have a little bit of a tradition here, and this is kind of one of my okay. favorite questions, and I'll have Jay ask it. I, I'm going to do my, ja- my best James Lipton uh, from inside the actor's studio. Favorite swear word? 
fuck. Yeah! <laughs> Very popular choice. It's just like, yeah, it's my go-to intensifier, you know? Yes. Just, well, you can't, you can't beat it. You being a northerner, you can use that in all forms of sentences. You exactly. can use it anywhere they, you need it. Does, that's does right. The, they write it in their waiver. Yeah. Does I mean, the Bostonian, I'm a Bostonian accent? Like, it's fucking dude. Fucking what, Ted? <laughs> are you kidding me? I was gonna fucking. You don't even want to know what I was gonna do to that guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this has been fantastic. This this has been this has been. I I, I don't use the word magical very often. I, I agree. <laughs> I believe this, this is definitely. This, this is one of the. I'm breaking the glass on this one uh, to say this oh, has been God. this has been a magical evening with Tana Ford. Uh, oh, th- God. We want to th- uh, wholeheartedly. Uh, I I want to thank you yes. for thank for you doing so this much. interview. This has been a pleasure. I, uh, everyone, make sure you you check out Tana Ford. Uh, go look for on Twitter. Look for on Instagram. Uh, look for on Facebook. Her book uh, fourth uh, number four or four of Laguardia uh, will soon be on shelves. Uh, check it out. It looks amazing. Uh, uh. This has been Jay and Chris with the Justice Nerds podcast interviewing the very, the multi-talented Miss Tana Ford. Again, Tana, thank you so much. Thanks for having me, guys.